and welcome. Uh, we'll be in, uh, back in Ecclesiastes this morning. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you and you look in front of you, there's a Bible in, behind the pew, and you'll find our passage today in page 558, down at the uh, bottom corner, right here, which will be in, will be in chapter 9, verses 11 through 18. So Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11 through 18. So we'll be finishing up Ecclesiastes over the next few weeks. Uh, next week the topic will be on how the knowledge of our mortality leads uh, to wisdom. And the week after will be Solomon's famous conclusion of Ecclesiastes and what he calls the end of the matter. Uh, after all has been heard. And, and we'll, we'll talk about his conclusion. But this morning we're going to touch on a topic that especially intrigues Solomon. Uh, the unpredictability of life. So I'll read the passage and, and then we'll pray. So first, uh, chapter 9, verses 11 through 12. Solomon writes, Again I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time, when it suddenly falls upon them. Let's pray. Father, again we thank you for your word. Uh, your word brings life to us, Lord. Your word teaches us who you are, and how we might be saved, and we thank you for that this morning. And we lift our time up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So these, these two verses speak of the unpredictability of life. And in verse 11, Solomon observes what most of us have learned through experience. I mean, we're, we're taught and we're, encouraged, and we're encouraged as kids that if you study hard and work hard and train hard and, and are honest, you know, that, that things will work out for the best in the end. And of course, those are, those are good examples to follow. That's a good way to live. But as we grow older and as we gain experience in life, we observe uh, and even experience that those things aren't guaranteed. We find out that sometimes you get that teacher uh, who never gives an A, no matter how hard you work, no matter how much you study. And we have to accept that despite our qualifications, the boss will end up giving the job to his son or his daughter or you know, even his second cousin. Uh, and, and that some people might not like you simply because uh, you're a person of integrity. And that no matter how hard you rehearsed and trained and how so many people told you that you were a lock for the leading role in that play or that dance recital, it was given to somebody else. Now, what, what these situations have in common, uh, just like Solomon's observations in verse 11, is that these results, you know, the excellent student not getting an A, uh, the qualified worker not getting the job, the people not liking a person of integrity, and then the actress or dancer are not getting the part uh, despite her talent. What they have in common 
is that the results are not of their own doing. They did everything they can or, or could and should do in order to succeed, yet it didn't happen that way. Solomon attributes this to time and chance. He says time and chance happened to them all. So in, in Solomon's examples, the efforts uh, exerted by the swift, the strong, the wise, the intelligent, the knowledgeable, or those are the examples that he lists, they should have produced uh, expected and predictable results, but they didn't. In each situation, the opposite of uh, that which one anticipates actually happens. And, and this is the way of life under the sun that Solomon describes. And, and this frustrates him. And, and if we're honest, it frustrates us. I mean, I used to work at a place that had monthly meetings. And, and at each of those meetings, the, the company declared an employee of the month. And they got a $50 gift card at a local restaurant if you got the employee of the month. Now, they did this for about four years. All right, so that's 48 uh, awards given out. And I never got the award. All right, so, and I considered myself a, a model employee. I mean, I was hardly ever absent. I contributed at all the meetings. Uh, I was an employee wellness representative. They called it. I worked overtime whenever they asked. And, you know, I, I got along with mostly everybody. And so me being a model employee should have produced expected and predictable results. You know, employee of the month at least once. Uh, but time and chance happened to me. You know, life happened to me. But is it time and chance? Is it just life? Is it sometimes you win and sometimes you lose? Or, or sometimes you get what you deserve and sometimes you don't get what you deserve? Um, maybe I never won the Employee of the Month award because God was teaching me humility uh, or, or deference. Or maybe he was teaching me dependence on him. Uh, using uh, our examples you know, maybe you didn't get the job and the boss's son got it. And, and that was frustrating, but a year later, God provided an even better job with better pay, you know, closer to home with better benefits and a whole lot less stress. And maybe you didn't get the lead part in the play because God was protecting you from what turned out to be an unhealthy situation, uh, loaded with temptations, you know, potentially drawing you away from him. Now, none of those situations that frustrate Solomon uh, would be considered tragic. Uh, but his next observation uh, regarding the unpredictability of life implies tragedy. Solomon begins verse 12 by saying, for man does not know his time. You know, his time could be referring to death, but more likely it's a reference to some tragedy that frustrates our plans. You know, some unpredictable tragedy that happens. Now we all have our phone, or in our phone and in our notebook, or, or in our mind, a plan of how tomorrow will go, and, and what we'll do tomorrow. And, and this helps us to feel that life is manageable. It's under control, and that life works according to a predictable pattern. 
but, but if we're honest, you know, this, that's an illusion, isn't it? It doesn't always work that way. I mean, we can influence our lives, but we don't control our lives, ultimately. There are, are circumstances beyond our control uh, that we remain completely unaware of, and, and they blindside us. I mean, you, you go out for a casual walk, right, Mike? And you slip on the ice and you break your leg. Mike wasn't expecting that this morning. Um, the head coach dies of a heart attack. And you, the assistant, you know, have to step up and coach the grieving kids through the rest of the season. You know, that happened to one of the members of this church. Or a visit to the doctor for a nagging little cough reveals lung cancer that happened to a friend of ours. Solomon says, like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it, or the tragedy, suddenly falls upon them. So just as the fish and the birds follow a daily routine and innocently go about their business of the day, man is also following a daily routine and going about his business. And then without warning, the fish and birds are trapped and the future is um, uh, altered in an instance. And, and so it can be with us. Now evil, as Solomon uses the word here, uh, means a, a time of misfortune or tragedy. And it can refer to any number of events that could unexpectedly happen to us. So what do we do with this? You know, what do we do with the unpredictability of life? You know, do we throw our hands up in the air and say, I give up? You know, to use our examples, do we stop doing our best in class? You know, do we stop being a good employee? You know, do we stop living with integrity? You know, do we not bother trying out for that play or, or that dance recital? Or do we reject God altogether? I mean, who's God supposed to be good? He's supposed to be loving, and, and how could He let these things happen? Well, no, we don't reject God. For, for the Christian, wisdom would tell us to trust God. That should be our response. And for the non-Christian, wisdom would tell you to seek after God because He's seeking after you. The unpredictability of life should cause us to trust God, not reject Him. Back in 1986, I had an unexpected car accident. Uh, I was visiting a friend a couple of towns over. Uh, we had gone out for the night, and this was one of the few nights that I was not drinking. And uh, on the way home, I fell asleep at the wheel with my friend in the passenger car. And uh, we crashed into a tree, and that accident completely altered my life. I, um, I started to um, wonder what I was going to do with my life while I was recovering. And uh, I put in an application to go to college uh, just on a whim. Amazingly, they accepted me, so I went to college. Uh, at the end of college, I met that woman over there, uh, and before I met her, I met Jesus Christ. And um, 
you know, the rest is history, as they say. So what, what, what was a tragedy in my eyes at the time, you know, led me uh, in many ways uh, to where I am now. And my friend, he's uh, completely recovered also. Praise God for that. So God is not unpredictable, even though life on earth might be. We might not know or understand what God is doing, but he's, he's certainly not unpredictable. Psalm 56 begins, God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present, which I take to mean predictable, an ever-present, predictable help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. That's the beginning of the psalm. The end of the psalm says, Be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And, you know, being around here, fortress, I thought of Fort Ticonderoga. It's been around for a long time. It hasn't moved. It's pretty predictable. That's our, the picture of our God, our fortress. Uh, Nahum the prophet says, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. And then, of course, there's Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So Romans 8.28 is about God's goodness and our confidence that his plan will work out as he sees fit. Since his plan is always good, Christians can take confidence that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what environment we're in, God is active and will conclude things. He will end things according to his good and wise design. With this knowledge that we have, we can be content. Uh, Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. And the fact that God works all things together uh, for good means that God's plan will not be thwarted. In fact, we're part of His plan. Amen? We're part of his plan, having been called according to his purpose. And when we, when we trust God in his way, we can be sure that he is active and powerful on our behalf. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work in us. That's the power of God at work within us. I mean, God knows the future. And his desires will be accomplished. Isaiah 46.10 God says through the prophet, I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come, I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. That's our God. Even when things seem chaotic and out of control, God is still in charge. I mean, we sometimes worry about what's happening to us because we don't know what's best for us. 
but God knows what's best for us. Wisdom tells us to trust God because life is unpredictable. To trust God because unexpected things happen. To trust God because we live in a fallen world and because we are fallen creatures. So Solomon's point is that when tragedy or the unexpected happens, we're left with only two options. We can either respond foolishly or wisely. By God's grace, we can choose wisdom over folly, even in the midst of tragedy or the unexpected. And wisdom here is putting our trust in God no matter what our circumstances. Next, in verses 13 through 18, Solomon gives an example of wisdom put to great use or put into action uh, despite being underappreciated. Now Solomon shares this curious uh, story. He says, I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it, in the city, a poor wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet, no one remembered that poor man. But I say, Solomon says, that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. And then he says, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. So here's a simple story with a few twists. First of all, the little city being attacked was delivered by an unexpected source, a poor yet wise man who by his wisdom was able to save the city. And then secondly, even though the poor wise man saved the city, no one remembered him. His wisdom was despised and his words were not heard anymore. Now with this story, the words wise or wisdom are used seven times in only a few verses. So that, that's clearly uh, what Solomon is trying to emphasize here is wisdom. And the power of wisdom is shown when compared to the might of the great king and the great army he brought against the city. Now Solomon doesn't describe exactly how the man used wisdom uh, to save the city. He only emphasizes that wisdom was used uh, in delivering the city. And again, three times Solomon uses the term, wisdom is better. He says, wisdom is better than might. Quiet words of, what, of the wise are better than the arrogant shouting of the ruler. And wisdom is even better than weapons of war. Now we've already talked about uh, the wisdom of trusting God in, in a world that is unpredictable, where unexpected things happen. But Solomon suggests with this story that wisdom is not always appreciated. Wisdom is even despised at times uh, because we don't want to trust God. We don't want to use wisdom and trust the Lord. Now one writer uh, Sinclair Ferguson suggests that this story is a, actually a prophecy. Uh, Ferguson writes, he asks, whose name 
most naturally comes to mind when we hear of a poor man full of wisdom who became a savior but whose life and teaching have been rejected. It's interesting, isn't it? The answer is obviously Jesus. I mean, Jesus is called the wisdom of God by Paul in 1 Corinthians. And Jesus the Savior is rejected. Now Solomon has trouble with the way things work in creation, especially under the sun, apart from God. He observes in Ecclesiastes that we live in a fallen world, that things are just not right, and it's definitely not Eden anymore. And Jesus, He comes into this fallen world and lives among us fallen creatures. Now for all of Solomon's immense and famous wisdom, you know, good and bad, uh, Jesus is described as greater than Solomon. Because Jesus is wisdom. And He never faltered in His wisdom. I mean, Jesus is the answer to the limited knowledge of mankind and our oftentimes lack of wisdom. Since we couldn't and wouldn't go up uh, to, get what we, to God to get what we need, God sent Jesus down to us to give us uh, what we need, to give us what we don't deserve. The Gospel teaches that Jesus came and took our, on our sin, our folly, and our judgment which leads to death. He took those on to save us uh, from those very things, to save us from sin and judgment and death. And Solomon writes of unpredictable and unexpected things in life. And earlier in chapter 8, he laments about how the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer. And he cries, injustice in chapter 8. But Jesus suffered the greatest injustice the world has ever seen. I mean, He was murdered. He was innocent. He was sinless. God didn't remain distant from the problem of evil and suffering, the unpredictable and the unexpected, but He came down and became a part of it suffering with us so that He could one day, you know, beginning at the cross, do away with all of that. Do away with evil and suffering, the unpredictable and the unexpected. And, and we can cling to our faith and, and trust in Jesus in times of pain and unexpected tragedy because we serve a God, a Savior, who has Himself experienced rejection and pain. And as Solomon's story might suggest, the poor, wise Savior who rescued the world is rejected and despised because, as Paul shows in 1 Corinthians, the wisdom of God is foolishness to this world. And the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. But however, it pleased God. It pleased God to save the world through a cross that looked like foolishness to us, that looked like foolishness to the world. Jesus dying on the cross was, in the eyes of His followers, unexpected. It was a tragedy. Yet God had a plan, and He carried it out. Despite the opposition of, of um, powerful men, powerful women, and even Satan and demons, despite all that, God carried out His plan. And God 
worked all the events of Jesus' life together for good, for the salvation of souls. And it was no accident. And it's no accident that you're here this morning either. Uh, by the way, if you need prayer after church, there'll be elders up here available to pray with you. So it's no accident that you're here this morning. So if you hear that small voice in your heart calling you to repent and believe, to trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, wisdom would say, listen to that voice. Immerse it in water. <laughs> that works every time. So again, if you feel like God is speaking to your heart, that you need to turn your life over to Him, that you need to trust Him, that there's no accident that you're here this morning, that you're hearing the Gospel. And wisdom would say, listen to that voice. Solomon observes that life is unpredictable. Unexpected things happen. Tragedy can happen without warning. And he's, and he's right. We've all experienced those things. And in life under the sun, which Solomon means apart from God, there is no hope. But we know that we have a Savior who understands. Amen? We know we have a Savior who has compassion, who loves us, and walks under the sun right by our sides. Amen? Amen. Amen.